Now, can anyone tell me what this is? Anyone? It's not a, it's not a red onion, but it is an onion. Uh, it's just a really bad colours on the projector. It looks, you think, I can see why you think it's an onion. Anyone else want to hazard a guess? It's a cake. It's a cake. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. There's, this. there's this kind of whole kind of subculture of people who make cakes that look exactly like real things. In fact, there's even a TV show on Netflix called Is It Cake? where they, they've somehow made it into a competition. I've not watched it, but it's this kind of thing. You know, It looks so real, but actually the outside doesn't match the insides. And do you know what? Sometimes I think it works in a similar way with church. We can look one way on the outside and another way on the inside. Uh, and that gives us a question to think about, doesn't it? Do our kind of core hopes and our, our, our aims, do they show in kind of how we act outwardly in what we do? Kind of what, what's going on in the DNA of our church? Well, that's why in the next few weeks we're going to spend some time thinking about uh, our church vision statements, kind of the hopes that we have uh, for the DNA of our church, the things that we want to have right at the heart uh, of what we do together, our goals, our, our ambitions, our aims, our hopes. Uh, we're going to look at passages from Scripture that kind of unpack those and, and make sense of those things. And maybe a question for you to have in mind as we go through this whole series, really, is do these things that we have on paper reflect who we are outwardly, reflect what we're doing? There's things that we can reflect on and think about as we go through. So if you don't know our mission statement, here it is. It's making disciples as disciples, growing in love for God, for our church family, and for everyone else. Worshipping God as family, telling the gospel, doing good. So we're going, to, we're going to break it up, we're going to take it bit by bit and look through it and think about it uh, as we go uh, on into the summer. I hope it will be helpful uh, if you've been here since the start of KCC, if you've kind of been involved even in putting this vision statement together uh, as a refresher really of that. But maybe if you're new, if you're considering joining the church and membership and that sort of thing, hopefully that will be helpful. So I'm hoping it will be helpful for all of us really. And today we're going to take that first headline at the top there, Making Disciples as Disciples. Now, if you were to pick one passage on this uh, subject, I imagine the obvious choice would be Matthew 28, where it says, go and make disciples of all nations. It's right there. It's a really important command given by Jesus. Uh, And that's actually why we've spoken on it before. Uh, at KCC. So that's why I'm not doing that again. If you'd like to go back and listen to to that, um, I think Jonathan Wright preached on that uh, a while back. You can search the podcast uh, and look at why that's such an important passage. So today we're going to do a slightly different focus, uh, which is to think about what does it mean to make disciples as disciples? That kind of second bit, as disciples. I imagine most of us here today uh, would call ourselves his disciples. We trust him alone to save us. We commit our lives to following him and obeying him and sharing him with others. So we are disciples. How do we make disciples as disciples? Well, let's just, let's try, I'm trying to explain it like this. Uh, Hands up if you support Liverpool. How many Liverpool supporters have we got in the room? A fair few, I'd say. I thought that that might have been the case. And if I, if I went round and asked why you were a supporter of Liverpool, I imagine we'd get a number of reasons, but I reckon probably one of the key reasons would be because someone who already supported Liverpool uh, persuaded you or encouraged you to do the same. 
You kind of supported it because someone encouraged you to do that. In other words, they made a Liverpool fan as a Liverpool fan, right? They kind of multiplied like that. And it's similar, uh, but perhaps much more significant with faith. We make disciples as disciples. We, it's, not, it's not anything we ever move on from. We're always his followers. There's no kind of second level kind of graduating from that. We always want others to come to know him like we do. And actually, it's more than just making new disciples, isn't it? It involves helping each other grow, too. So go back to the, the Liverpool example. I don't know, imagine you've been a Liverpool fan for a while, but you kind of just wear the badge, but you don't really know anything about, about what's going on. And someone comes along and, and gets you more excited and tells you about the players and takes you to a match, and, and you get much more committed and excited uh, about supporting this team. Do you know what? That happens as a church as well. We, we make disciples of each other. Uh, we, we grow to know Jesus better together and we encourage each other in that. So it's kind of those two aspects, making new disciples, reaching out, telling the gospel, but also making disciples of each other. And that's kind of what we're going to be thinking about today because Ephesians 4 really helps us think about that more clearly. What it does is it kind of reveals the, the goal, the hope for, for why we make disciples as disciples. What, what do we want uh, it to look like uh, in the end? And then also how it happens. We're going to start with that kind of goal and then think about how it happens. So I think a key goal, a key goal for us as disciples, a key goal of church life, I think probably the quickest way to sum up would be this, to grow up, to grow up. Have a look at verse 15 of Ephesians 4. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, jointing and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each, does its, as each part does its work. When I was younger, uh, my parents had a height chart. I think I had animals on with different heights, and every now and then they'd plot me and my brother on it and see how much we'd grown. As you can imagine, it, we didn't get all that high, funnily enough. Uh, but there's something quite fun about that, isn't there? Looking back over the years, seeing how you've grown. It's a good sign, isn't it? If we're growing up, if, if we're getting taller, maybe there's something wrong otherwise. And it's the same in the Christian life. We want to always be growing. We want to keep growing. It's a good thing for us to be doing. And actually, there's a few things that this passage draws out as the reason why growth is so good. So we're going to look at each one of those briefly. And before I do each one, I've got, I'm going to put a couple of pictures up that give us a clue uh, about, what, about what I'm talking about, one of the key words. So here's a, here's, a, here's a couple of pictures for you. Have a look at verse 13. Can anyone have any idea what you think these pictures might symbolise? Anyone want to, to have a guess? Unity. Unity. I wonder why you might think that. We've got the United Kingdom. We've seen lots of those flags this weekend, haven't we? You've got kind of people uniting together and coming together. That's right. One of the key things we see here is that as we grow, we become united. We become united. Look at verse 11 through to 13. You see how Christ gives the, the, these people to help us grow. We'll come back to that. But see the outcome. Verse 13, it says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. We become united. Unity is a really, really good thing. And actually, it's, it's awful, isn't it, when it doesn't work like that. If you're part of a team and there's one person who's always trying to take the glory for themselves, 
They're not playing as the team. In politics, votes of no confidence, as we're sort of hearing these rumours swirling about at the minute, it kind of shows a lack of unity, doesn't it? In our own family situations, sometimes there can be really painful, hard things where there's a lack of unity. And then even in church too, we have hurts and conflicts and it can lead to this lacking, this disunity. But Paul's saying, no, if we grow as disciples together, we should be growing in unity. It's a kind of word that means becoming as one. Doing that, becoming as one together. Unity brings strength. Uh, There's a great scene in the classic movie Gladiator, if you've seen that, where they're in the arena and they've kind of got the... It's kind of just a bunch of criminals uh, and they're kind of set up to to lose this battle. Uh, And, of course, the main character is kind of some super macho army man and he pulls them all together uh, and they fight together as one and they sort of shout, as one! And they defeat the, the, the people they're supposed to lose to. And they win the battle. And it's very, you know, it's very embarrassing for those uh, watching. But you see what happens. As they're united, they have this strength. that They fight as one. Uh, and it, it gives them the win. And there's something, again, similar there in church. If we come together, if we do things as one, united, we encourage each other, we support each other, we, we grow stronger as a church family. That means we don't just all try and do our own thing. We don't just all think of ourselves and what we get out of it. But we unite around the gospel. We unite around what he has done for us. That's what it says in verse 13, doesn't it? Unity also in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. If we know Jesus, we trust him more and more, then we become more united as a church. We are united by our faith. That's what it comes back to. Because if we, if we kind of we recognise we're all on the same level, we, we all need forgiveness, we all need the love of Christ. That, that gives us that unity. Let's be honest, we look around and think, I probably wouldn't be in a room with, with, with you all if it wasn't for Jesus. He is the thing that, that brings us and unites us together around this common need that we have for salvation and rescue. It's humbling, isn't it? We, we don't bring, you know, things. We don't bring our own uh, skills uh, to salvation. We are saved by grace. That's what unites us. All right, second one. Any ideas what these pictures might be referring to? What do we think? Any ideas? You can have. An, it's also in verse thirteen. If you want to try and look for a, a word that I might be thinking of in particular. Anyone want to? suggest anything you ready we become mature there were a wise old pair of hands and some delicious mature cheese we but but more seriously as we grow as Christians we become mature that doesn't mean we smell bad it means we grow in wisdom you see that? It's also in verse 13, doesn't it? We become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a really good thing, isn't it? Maturity is such a good thing. Uh, my children, as I'm sure you've noticed, are not mature. They are young, they're immature, they're still growing up. They make irrational decisions. They argue about irrational things. This week, it's been the car mat that we've got. And you know, there's plenty of space for both of them, but they, all, they both want to be on the exact same little square of road and playing on that, that moment, you know? They, they need to grow up. They need to grow in wisdom and maturity. And that's what we need to do as, as believers. 
As we grow up as disciples together, that's what happens. We gain wisdom. We become more faithful. But actually, do you see what this verse is saying? It's much bigger than we just get a bit wiser. See what it says? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a strange thing, isn't it? But it's like we achieve all the fullness of Jesus. It's like we become like him. It's just a complicated way of saying we become like Jesus. That's amazing, isn't it? It's not just a bit of wisdom, but it's growing up until we become perfect like Jesus. That is something amazing, isn't it? Think about that. Uh, Think about ourselves. If we grow as believers, we're growing to be more like Jesus. And we will be made perfect when he returns. Staggering, isn't it? Think about his wisdom, his love for others, his willingness to sacrifice himself for our sake. And he's the one we look to. He's the one we want to grow to be like. The Holy Spirit works in us, making us more like him. I'm sure you feel like I do that we've maybe got a long way to go. Uh, But actually, perhaps you can look back and, and, and see how God has been helping you grow and change over the years already. There's encouragement too, isn't there? Unity, maturity. Here's one more. Have a look at verse 14, see if you can figure out what I'm talking about here. What do you see? Scared? Not why well, he looks a bit scared, doesn't he? What's, why is he scared? It's stormy and windy. And if you look at verse 14, you see what, what's happening here. And you see what happens if we grow. <coughs> verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, we, we are not tossed about in the same way. It's a pretty grim image, isn't it, that, that he describes in verse 14. You've got this infant in the midst of a storm getting tossed uh, back and forth by the waves and the wind. It would be really dangerous. And Paul's saying, yeah, you see, there's a danger for young believers. You can be led astray by false teaching and false teachers. It's a helpful warning for all of us, actually, that we need to be discerning about what we watch and what we listen to what, what we take on uh, where where we can't get so where we can sometimes get swept away it's interesting if you watch whatever you watch on tv and whatever you listen to listen to it with a discerning ear think what 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 are they teaching what are they what worldview are they putting across where where's the good in this that, that might point me to jesus where's actually the things that they're getting wrong and that's not just in the secular world that there are things that you know there's god tv channels aren't there and radio stations and there's lots of good, but at the same time, we've got to be discerning. Make sure they're preaching the gospel, not, not false teaching. But you see what, what Paul's saying. Look, growing up as disciples, it moves us away from this kind of being tossed about and, and being led astray. It'd be far better, wouldn't it, to, to be on a lighthouse that stands strong like the picture, or to have a seasoned crew of sailors that know what they're doing in a storm, they know how to man, manage the ship, uh, and they're not, not afraid. <coughs> That's what we want, isn't it? We grow in maturity, we become wiser and sharper at, at, at spotting false doctrine, false teaching. We need to be careful about just going with the latest kind of theological crazes and, and trends. It can be easy to think, well, oh, this sounds brilliant. This, this, is the, this is the answer. This is what's going to, you know, change Kenilworth for the better. And we, we, maybe that would be the case, but, but sometimes that can lead churches away from really the, the hearts and the central truths of the gospel. We need to hold firm to, to that truth. 
So there you go. We've got unity, maturity, strength against stormy false teaching. If we make disciples as disciples of each other, do you see they're really good things, aren't they, for us to be looking forward to and growing into as a church family? But actually the passage doesn't just give us these benefits or point them out. He it talks about how they happen. How does growth happen? Uh, there's three things I want to, to kind of point us to. What do we think these pictures might be referring to? This one is a little bit tricky because there's no particular verse. Gone. There's Okay, brilliant. There's definitely a gift there, isn't there? And there's receiving. I think you're on the right lines. Because the first thing I want to say is how does growth happen? It happens through God's grace and love. We've got to start there. It's not particularly there in these particular verses, but actually go and read Ephesians 1 to 3. And that is the foundation for what we're reading now. And that is solidly the gospel. Paul, Paul explains it all. He unpacks it. God's plan for those that he loves. How he rescues people who are dead in their sin. How he unites people together through Jesus. Actually, go back to, to Ephesians 2 verse 8, because this is wonderful. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So critical to see that, isn't it? We are saved by grace. It's a gift given to us by God. It's not what we do, it's what we receive. And then it goes on, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we grow in faith together. If we are trusting his grace, trusting his love, not doing it by our own strength, not doing it in any sense of our own pride. I think we, we talked about similar things last week. That actually we live our lives in response to God's grace, not to earn it. We've got to remember that. that that's really key to remember. So let's look at, there's a couple of things, particularly in these verses, that, that we also need to, to look at. Uh, have a look at these pictures. See if you can work it out. This is referring to something in verse 12. You've got some sports apparatus. I don't know if there's another word you might want to use for apparatus. You've got someone teaching. What do we think I'm referring to from the passage in verse 12? Anyone got any ideas? Equipping. Good work. We've got lots of equipment and someone equipping people. Because how does growth happen? It happens... By being equipped for works of service. Being equipped for works of service. Look at verse 11 with me. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. See, we've seen the end, haven't we? Growing up together, the body. And this is how it happens. They are equipped. Now, some of you might have met my brother-in-law over the weekend. He came over uh, to see us. In fact, he flew over himself in a plane that he has a share in. Uh, and funnily enough, before he was allowed to do that, he had to be taught. He had to be taught how to do it. He had to be equipped with the knowledge and the skills to fly that plane and understand all the laws and things like that. He had to be equipped. And all of us, don't we? We're all equipped in different ways. If you're at school at the minute, you're being equipped with the skills that you need for life. At work, sometimes we go on courses and things like that apprenticeships, universities, even relationships with our parents. They equipped us to, to live in the world. We are equipped in different ways. And that's how it works in the church. God gives people to, to help us equip 
uh, equip us to live for him. We have this list, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Now there's huge debates over this list and kind of what's going on there. And Do we still have these, you know, do we still have apostles now and that sort of thing? We don't have time to go there today. But I think just say briefly, kind of like I said with prophecy last week, I think it's clear that we don't have apostles and prophets in that same kind of level of authority as the early church, you know, the original uh, 12 apostles. It's whatever, whatever we, you know, whichever terms we use, I think it's clear to say, you know, we don't have that same level of, of authority. We are under Christ now, as they were. Um, but I think for today I want to focus on why they are given. Why they were given, do you see? To equip. To equip his people. And do you see, it doesn't say to equip the keen ones or equip some of them. It says equip his people. He means everyone. Every disciple in the church is there to be equipped to, to, to follow him and, uh, and follow him and, and serve. It's really important to get this. I think sometimes church feels a bit like this. A bit like a bus journey. You know, you, you get on and there's someone there driving you along and you just sit back and enjoy the ride. Does the church feel a bit like that to you? That you kind of come on a Sunday and you've got the people up here. We, we do, there's a few people leading and, and things like that. And actually, ultimately, most, most just, you know, we just sit, don't we? And we're just, we're just there as part of it. Paul says, no. Actually, there's something different here. It's not a passenger activity. Everyone should be involved in church life. And that's why he uses a different image here. I wonder if you spotted it in verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, just as each part does its work. The body. That's a much better illustration of how the church should work. Everyone is part of the body. And it's not like you can sort of say to your arm, isn't it? Or my arm just says, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing anything today. I'm going on strike. And I've just got a useless arm for a day. That would be rubbish, wouldn't it? I wouldn't be able to do hardly anything. Bodies work best when every part is doing what it's supposed to, working as it should. And that's what church is like. We come together as a body. God gives us different skills, different gifts, and then we use them to to please him for his glory. We use them to, to encourage each other in our faith. So what I'm saying is everyone, all of us, have an important part to play in church life. So have a think, have a pray. Where could you be involved? Where might God want to use your gifts here in Kenilworth? The church needs all of us if we're going to be growing up together as disciples. It's also a really good reason to consider becoming a member of the church. If you have been a long-time attendee of KCC, but you're not a member yet, then let me encourage you to consider it carefully. Think Think about that. Maybe it's something you're not used to or, or, or you found difficult in previous churches you know what? it's a beautiful way of showing our commitment to each other showing our commitment to christ showing our commitment to the body of the church that's what we do when we become members we make promises to to care for each other to encourage each other in the faith to to, to follow and honor christ and we make decisions together as a church body and it's it's, it's good to be a member and, ha- and be part of that decision-making process. I'd love to talk to you more about that. Uh, so please come and talk to me if you've got questions. And Yeah, I think you, you should have a really good reason not to. Uh, if, if you're not a member, I think you, you should consider it carefully. This, this point is also a helpful corrective for 
someone like myself, I guess, maybe in that pastor teacher teacher role, that I'm not called to do it all myself. I'm here to, to seek to equip everybody, equip the body so we can serve together. And notice that we're not saying here that elders are like the head. Do you see that? There's, there's one head here, and that's Jesus. Christ, verse 15. Christ is the head of the church. He's the one in charge. And all of us are, are, are part of that body, his servants. Some of us called to lead. Some of us called to equip. All sorts of different roles that, that we, can, we can have. But we're all there somewhere. So before we move on, just have a think about that. Maybe, maybe you've, you've got some ideas about how we could encourage you and support you and equip you to be using your gifts uh, in church and, and sharing the gospel with others. If you've got ideas, how, you know, how, could I, how can we, uh, as a church, help equip you uh, for making disciples as disciples? If you've got ideas, if you've got thoughts, you can send me a text or an email. Uh, I think we'll try and talk about some of these things in our home groups in a couple of weeks, so you could maybe talk about it in your home group as well. But it'd be good, wouldn't it, to talk about these things and work out how we encourage each other. One more. See if you can spot what I'm talking about here. Look at verse 15. Any ideas? I think I heard someone say it. There you go. Speaking the truth in love. That is how growth happens. Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So it's the opposite, isn't it, of being kind of tossed about on that stormy sea of false teaching. No, we, we grow together by speaking the truth in love. And that word in Greek, speaking the truth, is kind of just one word in Greek, and it's kind of more than just speaking. It's almost like we're living it out, doing it, being the truth with each other. Speaking from a heart that has been changed by the truth. It's showing genuine care for others. It's not just on our lips, but it's actually in our hearts as well. Kind of the inside matching the outside, unlike the onion cake that I started with. Truth, so important. Actually, truth really holds this passage together, I think. If you think about what's going on here, we've got Paul talking about how God gives these various leaders and various people to equip People, they equip people with the truth. We are equipped with the truth. That, that's so important. We must know the truth of the gospel. We must know who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's what leads to growth and unity and maturity. That's what stops us being led astray. We must know the truth. But actually, do you see the balance that's given here? We speak the truth in love. Imagine a seesaw with truth and love on it. If, if we just focus on truth, if we put all the emphasis onto truth, then we can become bitter, we can become proud, we can kind of fight for the truth and make sure we hold on to all the right doctrines which are, which are really good. But ultimately it becomes all about winning the fight with people. Just being proud that, you know, we're, at least we're doing well as we look around at you know, other people and that sort of thing. There's a lack of love. But then actually, if we focus on love, the opposite can happen. Uh, We become so focused on maintaining loving relationships and showing friendship that actually, you know, the important truths of the gospel, they just start to become less important, start to slip away perhaps. 
especially in, in our culture today, some of the truths of the Bible are really hard to hold on to because those around us, they see them as deeply hard or, or offensive. And so if you just focus on love, you think, well, I'll like, I just won't worry about those hard things because we want to be loving, we want to be kind. But if you let go of the truth, that is really, really dangerous. I found this quote from John Stott as I was preparing. I thought it summed it up really well. Truth becomes hard if it is not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. It's good, isn't it? It's a good, a good, uh, a good quote. Truth becomes hard if it is not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it is not strengthened by truth. We've got to get that balance. We need both. We need both truth and love if we're going to grow up together as a church. We have to hold them together. We need to trust the Holy Spirit will work in us, allowing us to do that. I imagine most of us will be tempted to lean one way or the other. I'm sure as a church, we, 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 we are proud, aren't we, of the fact that we, we teach the Bible, that we teach the truth. We want to hold on to that. But we want to do that with a loving attitude. We don't want to do that with pride in our hearts. And we definitely don't want to maybe swing too far the other way and then end up compromising on key things because we want to be seen to be loving at the cost of the truth we've got to have them both together holding on to them in balance so part of growing up is speaking the truth in love now that means we need to know the truth doesn't it we need to know god we need to know his love for us in christ know god's word know what he has done for us it's such wonderful news and that allows us to share it with each other making disciples of each other it allows us to share it with those around us who don't know jesus we need to share the truth with love in our hearts. And that's got to come with humility, I think. If we're going to share it with love, we've got to come from that position of humility where we remember that actually we are in desperate need of Christ's love ourselves. We haven't got it all sorted out. We're not perfect. We are sinful. We need his love. We need his grace. And it's amazing to think that he has shown us such love and shown us such grace that we are adopted into his family. If we know that, if we get that in our, in our heads, in our hearts, we get that truth and the love that's shown through that, that's, that's that balance, isn't it? As we, as we share it with other people. We need to do it prayerfully. We need to do it guided by God. We want to speak like Christ did. There's loads in this passage. I hope it's been a kind of helpful explanation of just getting us thinking about what it means to make disciples of each other as disciples. We want to equip each other for good works. We want to serve the church, don't we, and serve those around us. We want to speak the truth in love. We want to live out what we believe. And let's pray, shall we, that as we do that, we grow in unity, we grow in maturity, we grow in steadfastness, thanks to Jesus. So I hope you agree. It's a good goal, isn't it? It's good for that to be in our DNA as a church. And again, let me encourage you to reflect on this. Where are we showing that well? Where do we need to, to, to do better in that? Where do we need to, to, to grow and improve? Why don't I just, let's just pause for a moment and then I'll pray and ask for God's help. Let's just pause and reflect. <coughs> Father God, thank you so much for the love that you have shown to us. And for revealing the truth of, of that love to us and saving us. And Lord, would you 
Help us as your followers, as your disciples, to seek to make disciples of each other, to, to speak the truth in love to one another, to, 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 to grow in unity and maturity, to be equipping each other. Would you be at work in us as a church? Would you unite us around these, these wonderful things, around your truth, around your love? Draw us close together. Father, I pray for anyone here today who maybe does not believe in you or does not trust you. Would you help them see the difference that you make, the love that you pour out that changes everything? Would you help us as a church to show that so clearly? Please be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.